You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome back to the Backcountry Rookies Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Riker, and Backcountry Rookies was designed to prepare, inspire, and educate hunters to head west for their backcountry big game hunt. Join us as we talk to some of the most experienced hunters in the west about their tips and tricks to help you along your journey to get out west for big game hunting. We also share some of our good, bad, and ugly experiences that we've had along the way. Kick back and enjoy the show. Backcountry Rookies is proudly sponsored by Go Hunt Insider. Research the hunts that you want and get rid of the hunts you don't want. With Go Hunt Insider draw odds and strategy articles, you are able to research exactly what you want out of a hunt. Go Hunt Insider is your key ingredient to drawing a tag this season. Use the code Rookies when you become an Insider member and get $50 to spend in the Go Hunt gear shop. Elk 101's University of Elk Hunting. University of Elk Hunting provides you with immediate access to the most comprehensive and complete resource for increasing your elk hunting knowledge, confidence, and success. University of Elk Hunting now has all of those resources in the palm of your hand on a mobile app. Use the code ROOKIES and save $20 on your University of Elk Hunting membership today. Vortex Optics is an American-owned and veteran-owned company. Vortex Optics designs, engineers, produces, and distributes a complete line of premium sport optics, accessories, and apparel. They're dedicated to providing unrivaled customer service and exceptional quality. Vortex backs its products with the unconditional, transferable, lifetime VIP warranty. If it breaks, they fix it or replace it. And remember, you can use the code ROOKIES and save 20% off of Vortex apparel. All right, welcome back to the Backcountry Rookies podcast. Today I have a really, really fun topic. I, I think it's going to be a fun topic. I have a great guest on to talk about this topic. And then, of course, we have some really cool information to share with everybody, all the listeners. The topic for today is take hunting seriously, but not too seriously. And I think this is very, very important because oftentimes, and we're going to get into this here shortly, um, but oftentimes people we take this stuff way, way too seriously. And there is way too much fun to be had out there on the mountains than to just get so stressed out. Um, the guy that I brought on is Todd Harney. And I think Todd is going to make this an exceptional show. He's a super entertaining guy and super funny guy. I'm excited to have him on. And I, I, you know what, I'll just, Todd, welcome to the show. We'll just kick it off right there. I think I, I could probably BS a lot and tell everybody how great you are, but I think let's let you tell everybody how great you are. Yeah, uh, I'm here. Um, (laughs) All right. (laughs) Not a, well, I don't don't know about telling everybody how great I am, but I am excited to be on for for this very topic because um, I'm kind of a, uh, I guess you could call it a a class clown or I like to mess around a lot and and play jokes and have fun, but I take, I take the, uh, the actual hunting aspect of my hunting very seriously, but pretty much everything related to it um, is pretty laid back. And, and I just, I feel like I've, I've got a, a different approach than you see, you know, throughout a lot of social media and stuff. So 
Right. Fun topic. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So when I first started thinking about this, this topic, I'll tell you where it spurred from or stemmed from. It was I was watching some YouTube video, and it was the and for you YouTube creators out there, I, I apologize. I'm not picking on anybody in particular, but it's the same old thing, right? The door shuts on the truck. There's gasoline getting put in the truck. There's some dramatic music in the background, and there's this epic, epic story to be told. And I have never had a hunt like that. Never, ever. Right. And, you know, and I followed you for a long time and I've watched a lot of the stuff that you've done and trash cans blow up and things pop out of closets and just all kinds of random fun stuff that you do around offices. And, and then I've seen some of your videos and I, it, you were the, really the first person that came to mind when I thought about this, because I see that you have your YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to talk about a hunt that you did last year on video and it comes through that you do care about hunting but there's, there's another side to it that makes it so much more fun. Um, yeah. And that, that was kind of my goal with, you're talking about that Nevada hunt. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That was my goal with that video because there's, it seems like there's so many of them where, uh, like you said, the music is dramatic and, and there's a, a kind of a deep and sorrow and serious voiceover and it, and it's this whole thing. And it's like, I just, it's cool and all, and people do a really good job of, of portraying their hunts in, in that light, uh, when they're going for it. But like you said, I just don't feel that way when I'm out there. So I wanted to make a video where it just literally showed what we do and how we do it and how we act and, and all of the above. Um, and, and that's kind of actually what inspired me to, to make that first hunting video is to just do my best to show what it's like out there. Yep. And I, that's what I appreciated about it too. And I'll link that, that video. We're going to talk more about that hunt. Cause it was a cool hunt. Um, we're, we'll talk more about it, but I'll link it into the show notes. Um, so who are you in the hunting world, right? How to tell, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into hunting and where you're at now and a little bit of everything in between. Yeah. So I was, I was basically, uh, brought up in a hunting family and in, in Carmel Valley, California. And it was, we, we had the kind of family where, um, growing up, my dad had pig dogs. So we were constantly out there ever since I could really, uh, halfway keep up with them. I was out in the field, uh, chasing pigs with dogs and, and my dad and his friends and my grandpa and shooting birds and, um, walking out from the house with a pellet gun or bow since I was little tiny guy and, and shooting rabbits. Um, never had video games or anything like that. So, um, just kind of what I've always done and, um, you know, in high school, I started going on some of the hunting forums and, and networking a little bit and meeting people. And I had, uh, a fairly good track record on, on killing some blacktailed deer. So, uh, and that was kind of a, a unique thing, you know, back in the early days of forums, anything unique kind of made you stand out, I guess. And, and then of course the, like we're talking about here today, just, uh, the persona of more fun than serious and all that kind of stuff. And it just, uh, from early on, I get, got to know a lot of people. And, um, after college, I got a job at Kuyu and, and networked further through there and, now I'm at Western Hunter Magazine, so it's just kind of um, hunting 
has has been a, a big part of, of my life since childhood and, and then as a, a career afterward too. Yeah, that's phenomenal. A lot of people don't get to stay in the industry, right? They want to do, they want to be a part of it, but it's just it's just not in the cards and they don't they don't get to stay in the industry. And another thing too, I think is really cool is that you're come that you brought up in California and there's so much hunting influence. Um you don't hear that a lot. There's only a few guys that I know of that are really hardcore hunters that are out of California. I think, is it just that people stay quiet about their hunting adventures in California or is it just not that popular there? Uh, when, when you live in the state, it's, it seems pretty popular. I, I mean, I, I know a thousand guys in California who are pretty hardcore hunters, but uh, yeah, there's, there's not a ton of opportunity compared to other states. Uh, as far as demographics go, like in the hunting industry as a, as a market, there is uh, a lot more, a lot more hunting dollars being spent in California than states that you would probably guess to be above. Um, And, but yeah, even, you know, there's good hunting there, but I've the past five, 10 years have spent most of my time hunting outside of California. So, and now I live outside of California kind of because of that. So it's um, yeah, it's, it's there and it's, it's prevalent, but more prevalent and more opportunity elsewhere. Elsewhere. Okay. So that's, that's probably more of a a better way to put a lot of guys are leaving the state to do the hunting that hunt there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. You mentioned Western hunting mag magazine and i'm really really curious to hear about that also um let's chat about that for a couple of minutes and then we'll move on to the take it seriously but not so seriously sure so western hunter magazine uh they've been well actually just this last issue we put out was their 100th issue over the past 20 years uh yeah originally so they started out as western optics hunter and it was uh same same ownership as the outdoorsmen's and early on in the life of the outdoorsmen's they decided to make this publication basically as an advertisement for the optics and and tripods and stuff that outdoorsmen's was making and selling so they'd take uh, their own hunting stories and photos and and publish them in this what was kind of a quasi catalog slash magazine and it got popular and so they kind of branched off and and made it its own hunting magazine western hunter uh it went they went through a phase where they also had elk hunter magazine uh that dropped off now it's it's all focused on western hunter six six issues a year uh really good magazine and and I was kind of brought there to help um, bring them up to speed on on the digital side of things because uh, what we found they've they've got 20 years worth of awesome articles and a lot of them are still applicable today but they really don't have any online presence. <clears throat> so we've been going through and uh, creating these themes, getting their uh, newsletter up to speed. Um, you you said you went and looked at the website recently and saw a bunch of online articles. Uh, we're we're bringing some people in to to help write fresh ones of those, more videos, stuff like that, and then also, uh, you know, of course, focusing on the magazine as well. So 
it's yeah. it's really fun. I mean, everything I get to do is related to hunting. And what I like about it is that I don't have to be wearing one brand of anything. In fact, it's actually better to to use whatever I want and use a variety and then be able to talk about a variety and not have uh, have to be biased or anything like that. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and that, so I was really surprised when you and I first started talking, I didn't realize that you worked for, for the, the magazine and I, I didn't know your involvement or any of that stuff. So when I first looked it up, I, I was very surprised at the amount of, of good information that's in there. And the only reason I really bring this up on the podcast is because I think we always try to provide resources to the listeners. And I think your magazine could be an excellent resource for listeners to go to that online it i mean there's gear reviews there's article there, there's just a bunch of good information in there for people to go and read or check out or look at whatever they want to do so um I yeah wanna- that's 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 our goal with with pretty much every newsletter we put out every uh magazine issue that we publish we either want people to be inspired by the stories or or entertained by the stories and find useful quality information and in, in the stuff as far as the product reviews and and all that kind of stuff so we're yeah. building a new new website too right now so that'll be up in about a month and and we've got we're launching a film festival uh two weeks from yesterday so a lot, a lot of good stuff in the works and, and if any listeners are interested uh you can go on there if you want to subscribe to the magazine and get 10% off, use the promo code Harney 10. Oh, nice. Okay. Very cool. I'll put that in the show notes so people okay. can check it out or sign up. I'm likely going to sign up because I really, I still get bugle magazine and, and, you know, some of the, like the Rocky mountain elk fountains foundation stuff. And I, I really enjoy going through some of those old, Instead of just looking online, you know, and sorting through stuff, I like to be able to pick up that magazine and sort through it and look through it and stuff. So that'll be nice. Yeah, especially in the bathroom. Exactly, right? That's uh, that's what magazines were made for, I think. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Uh, all right, so let's talk take hunting seriously, but not too seriously. And I want to lead into, you said that there's there's aspects of it that you do take seriously and there's there's some that you don't. Now, what parts of hunting are important to take seriously? Like, what are you digging in on and you're, you know, you're really focused and you're really paying attention? Yeah. I mean, when, when it's, when it's time to be out there, boots on the ground, glassing, looking for animals, uh, all that kind of stuff, you know, the, the, the literal parts of the hunt, uh, I'd say at that point in time, I feel pretty dedicated and, and honed in and i'm not doing a whole lot of messing around um aside from maybe the old hold the branch back and when your buddy's close enough let it go kind of trick <laughs> but uh yeah yep. yeah that i i feel like that you know to be successful consistently you got to take the fundamentals very seriously but as far as as far as you know telling stories or sharing pictures or 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 video like we discussed. Um, yeah, man, have a little bit of fun, people, right? Yeah. So let me ask you this. When you hold the stick back and you whack your buddy with it, are you the guy that says, gotcha? Or are you the guy that's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I didn't I didn't even realize that stick caught on my shirt like that. 
Oh yeah, it's it's usually just kind of a, a oops. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, I didn't mean to whack you in the face like that. My bad. Yeah. 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 Oh, I got my brother so bad in in Nevada last year. I I actually felt bad. He had like a a raised welt across his his cheek <laughs> for a while. <laughs> That's good. But so to me that like in the moment that might be like ah oh, god damn it you, you know kind of a grumble. But later on, like a couple years from now, you'll be able to rib him a little bit you know talk about the funny things and yeah, yeah yeah there's so many you're you're together with your hunting buddies out there non-stop there's way too many opportunities for for dicking around like that to, yeah. to pass up absolutely and then sitting around camp too i think a lot of times it's you're made to believe that you have to be sitting around camp and you can't like everybody's so focused and they're digging into their mapping software and they're like a hundred percent focused on the hunt. And I just can't get myself to that level. Like maybe I'm yeah. not there. Maybe that's why I'm a backcountry rookie. Right. But to me, that's just the level I don't want to be. I like to grab a couple of beers and we sit around and we throw stakes on a rock or something, you know, and we laugh and we have, we, we really, really enjoy that camping experience. Right. And, and I guess none of this is to say that, that for the people who, who do like to take every little bit so serious, uh, maybe isn't necessarily a bad thing or something that, that we should be um, degrading them over. But I do feel like there's quite a few people out there who like to portray it more serious for others to see than they probably actually do it themselves when they're out there. What do you think? I 100% agree. And I, so I have as a topic for later social media impact on hunting. And I think what you're saying, I think might sort of fall into that. So I think we'll get to that topic here. Well, you know what? We're here, right? Why not just talk yeah. about it? So do you think like, is that laughing and the joking? Do you think that stuff's going on in the background? And then all of a sudden the cameras, you know, cell phone comes out of the pocket and it's, Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, man. Let me make this right. Let me make it good. Oh, probably. Yeah. I, I think I it mean, has to be, I, I really think there's such an influence from social media that it, and I don't know why, but. Yeah. I think what happens is people, people see, uh, you know, people might see a, a video that they that they really like or somebody that they look up to uh, puts out. And if it's got the the real heavy, serious tone like we're talking about, then then they might think, well, geez, it, uh, to have a successful video or or whatever, I need to make mine that way instead of just paving their own way and being exactly who they are. Yeah, Absolutely. I kind of look at myself in the woods as, are you familiar with the Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I'm that goofball that's got the coconut nuts clonking together as he's hiking down the trail, you know, like there's, I'm doing something wrong, goofing off all the time, it seems like. And I, it's, I should probably, maybe I should take a camera and try to capture those moments too. But I, there's guys like you out there that do it too. And I, I think it's fun to watch when when there is the clowning around and there's just that, that goofing off going on. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've just found that, um, even, even if you are messing around and, and having a good time, if you're still hunting hard and, and doing the little things, right. Uh, you can, you can find good success and have a good time. And I really wouldn't have it any other, any other way. Yeah. 
so let's talk about like focusing on a hunt, right? When you're sitting up, when does that focus come in? So let's say you're hiking down the trail and you're going to glass on from a knob and you, you know, you think you're coming into an area where you're going to see some nice mule deer or something like that. Kind of, does that make sense? Start at the trailhead and, and head up to the glassing spot. What's your thought process going through that? Uh, I mean, I, I usually put so much research into, into a hunt ahead of time that, uh, and studying aerial imagery and all that kind of stuff, uh, preseason and scouting and all that stuff. By the time the hunt actually rolls around, it's basically like following a script. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of plan out a hunt, uh, on a map or, or in my head ahead of time. And then, okay, day one, I want to be at this spot looking at this area. I know that I want to give that X number of days and then I want to go here. And if this area is no good plan B, go to this spot, check it. If there's people there plan C and and then, um, at least the start of a hunt is always pre-scripted. And, and so I don't feel like I have to put a whole lot of thought into, Oh, what do I do? Oh boy. Um, and then, you know, you usually by the end of the hunt, if you've exhausted all options, it's kind of running and gunning, but, um, yeah, I just, I just know that pretty much any Western hunt, I'm going to be spending a lot of time sitting down, looking through binos on a tripod. And that's just personally been, been the recipe for success. And are you uh, primarily a deer hunter? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely more of a deer guy than anything else. Yeah. And what is it about I mean, the, deer? What, what's the attraction to deer? Man, there's, uh, you know, taking some, some nice mule deer and a, and a bunch of nice black tails and, um, killed my first coos deer this year. And there's just something about deer and, and, the way they are that that's got me i don't know it's hard to explain yeah and, and i've i've killed some elk and stuff and and went on a, a a sheep hunt last year and that was phenomenal and have done multiple trips in alaska and still of the alaska trips uh i you know the the kodiak blacktail is is right up there at the top too so yeah deer oh, there's yeah, just something about them the how'd you like that coos deer hunt oh it was awesome a lot of fun you just got back from that right were you down there for archery in january yeah uh-huh yeah, yeah that that was really cool and it, and speaking of of social media impact on hunting man i mean you see it's like january first hits and there's so many posts about people they're down there in arizona doing the over-the-counter archery hunt and um you know, I was one of them first time going down there this year. And I, I think that, uh, exposure on, especially what most would consider an off season opportunity like that is definitely growing due to the social media. For sure. I, I agree with you hundred percent. And I, the impact that it has everywhere. So you can, it's funny. This is probably, I don't know. It's probably a tangent for sure, but it's funny how social media does that. I can, I have 
before I started Backcountry Rookies, I had zero social media. I didn't have Facebook. I knew nothing about social media, and I didn't want anything to do with it. Well, in the short few years that I've had it, it's become so predictable that yeah, it's like literally I can tell you here in two weeks, turkeys are going to be all over. Well, by the time this show releases, turkeys will be everywhere on social media. Everybody's and, gonna and, the, and the shed hunting, the shed hunting yeah. will just be winding down. <laughs> I was just getting ready to say, uh, and you're already seeing it. People with sheds everywhere, right? Yeah. And it's just, it's so pretty after the first of the year, I can tell you there's 30 days worth of fitness posts, you know, mm-hmm. and I, it's funny to watch it because you could, you could almost set a clock by it on, on how social media works. And I don't know, it's frustrating to me because I, I certainly know that it's, it's played an impact on me as well. Like I said, I never had it before. And then I was introduced to it and I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Look at all this interaction. Well, I'm kind of to the point now where I don't even like looking at it because I can already tell you what it's, what the post is going to be. Right. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, I, that's one thing that I, I try to be uh, aware of and, and I just, I don't know what it is. I just don't want to really be lumped into that same, you know, cycle. So I, I share, I don't post that often, but I usually just kind of share photos from the previous season and, and as the season goes on and just, try to do my own thing and not follow along with the cycle. Yeah. Uh, and that's a good, that's a good way to do it. How about from the, uh, from the business perspective, from like the magazine perspective, you don't really have that uh, option, do you? You kind of got to go with the flow. I would think. Uh, to an extent. Um, we don't, we don't cover all the, all the, you know, draw odds and applications and, uh, state by state resource type stuff. We're more um, uh, reader supplied hunting stories, and uh, we, you know, in for the January February issue, we wanted to make sure that there was a good odd ad story in there because there's some of that going on. Yeah, uh, you know, a coo- a coos deer, uh, but for the most part, uh, we we theme our magazines based on stuff that's can kind of be applied to the whole year instead of seasonality. Right. Right. Gotcha. So that let's go back to your coos deer hunt. Um, we talk about that a little bit. Cause you shot a pretty nice buck, right? You shot a good, yeah, buck. pretty. Yeah. Good. You know, maybe yeah, borderline Pope and young buck, which is totally fine with me. <laughs> I shot a spike a couple of years ago and guess what? That was totally fine with me. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I'd never even I'd never laid eyes on a coos deer before that hunt. And well, well uh, let's talk about it then, because I think that'll be it's it's fun to talk about. And I I do I want to hear about the Nevada hunt too. But I guess coming out of my coos deer hunt this year, I'm just this was my third year going. So I, that's one of the hunts that I will will be on my calendar every year. Will be that Arizona, right? If I'm super interested in it. Tell us how. Yeah. And, and what's what's cool about that is, uh, you know, you got the coos deer and the mule deer, and the tag is good for both. Yeah. So, and I, you know, going into it, I thought, oh, coos deer would be cool, and the other guys are like, yeah, it'd be cool, but man, they're hard to kill with a bow, and the mule deer, they're in the easier terrain, and there's more of them, and they're more dumb, and and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, and, and went down there with. Uh, uh, a co-worker, Kevin Guillen from Wilderness Athlete and, and 
Chris Denham, the publisher and, and owner of Western Hunter and, and another co-worker and hunting partner, uh, Ben. So we had a really good group and uh, Kevin and Chris have hunted this area before and Chris grew up down there. So it was, it was really cool to be with those guys because they know the area. They know so much history about the area. And, um, and we were in a spot where there's not a whole lot of hunting pressure, which was nice. And anyway, yeah, uh, first, first morning I wanted to go hike into some stuff to look for coos deer and sure enough, found a, a handful of them and watched them go drink some water. And then, uh, I think the next morning I went and looked at him again and saw him drink water again at the same time. So it was just kind of one of those, okay, well, I bet tomorrow they're going to go drink that water at the same time. And I, I went and sat down there and shot him. So, yeah, um, it was, uh, I mean, spot and stock, if they were up in those cliffs where they were coming from to go drink would, would be a lot more difficult, but I just had one of those good setups that, that worked out. Yeah. And when you, when you go and hunt, do you have like, how many days were you down there in Arizona? We were there. I think we were in the field for seven days, seven days. And do you kind of fall in that group of I'm not leaving until I shoot something or, are you in the sort of the, uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah, I'm out here I mean, enjoying I, I'm out here enjoying the hunt and I just want to put my time in. And if I get some, I get some. Yeah. I, I had a, had a plane to catch to get home. So unfortunately couldn't stay there for as long as it would have taken. But, uh, I, I definitely feel, um, like I let myself down if I go home without a tag filled. Yeah which yeah, I think there's... is, uh, it, it, I think I'm fortunate to have that mentality and fortunate to have, have had enough success that that's kind of where I'm at. Um, but then again, I'm not going to go, you know, shoot a little thing just to make sure my tag gets filled. So it's kind of a balance, you know, between yeah. quality and making sure and getting it done. And that's a, I think over time, you said, you said it best there, you've done it for a long time and you've had the opportunity to kill a lot of animals. And so in my little short stint that I've had as a, as a Western hunter, uh, the first couple of years was whatever I had the opportunity to shoot. Right. I just wanted to fill a tag and get the right. experience and, and just spend that time there. Not that I hadn't killed animals before. I just hadn't ever done it out West and, you know, in that setting. And the more that I hunt, the more I'm kind of getting to where it's, I, I'm going to pass on a spike, you know, um, mm -hmm. uh, the mule deer yeah, that I shot sure. this year was a two point. So there you go. Progression. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, and I should back up a little bit. I shouldn't say that it's it, a lot rides on me filling a tag. I just like for our group to do well, filling tags. Yeah. That's and, a good way to put and, it. Like my, my hunting partner, Ben and, and Kevin, after I killed my deer, it was like, I, I actually had just as much or more fun leaving my bow in camp and getting to go out and, and glass for those guys and try and guide them into animals and, and, and get help them get on opportunities too. So it's always a, it's always a group effort. Yeah. 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 Very good. Well, let's talk about that Nevada hunt and that film that you guys put together and yeah. Yep. Go ahead. That was, uh, well, so my mother-in-law got me this GoPro for Christmas 
And she actually got it for me because she thought it would be helpful for making cooking videos. Uh-huh. And I didn't, I didn't really, didn't really know a lot about the GoPros other than my dad had one when, when we were, he, he got one probably 15 years ago when we were hunting in Nevada and the thing was terrible. It was like the video quality sucked. It looked like you were looking through a, a glass bubble into a fish tank. Yeah. <laughs> uh, never knew if it was on recording photo mode, video mode, whatever. And so I was like, yeah, GoPros suck. But then we were up in Alaska and one of the video guys up there was like, Hey, what, you got a GoPro? I said, yeah, I haven't really played with it. And he started showing me how awesome they are now, 4K video and um, all these features. So I said, cool, well, I'm going to, I guess, spend more time in Nevada this year trying to film with this GoPro. And I ended up doing the whole thing just on that, which was convenient. Um, and it's so nice to have one of those because you can pull it out of your pocket, start recording anytime, and just capture tons of stuff. Yeah. And didn't didn't really go into it expecting to make a full 25 minute uh, action packed video like it is. But once I got home and started going through um, footage and and seeing how many cool little tidbits were in there, I uh, put it all into iMovie and and came up with that. And that was that. That whole thing was shot on one GoPro. Yeah. Holy cow. I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that. I assumed you had cameras out there and all kinds of stuff, you know? No, no, just, just one GoPro that was in my pocket or I'd pass it to one of the other guys and they'd take some footage and uh, yeah, really super non-invasive to the hunt. Just having this little thing to, to capture bits here and there. Yeah. I mean, let, let's be honest, I'm not a big technology guy. So if I was able to do that with that, then pretty much anybody can go and make a halfway decent film if <laughs> they get something like a GoPro and use iMovie. Clearly, I'm not a technology guy either with this the start to this podcast that we had today. we <laughs> <laughs> I think that GoPro might kick my ass, to be honest with you. No, they're, they're, they're pretty easy. Yeah. I've always kind of wondered how it would be just to use a cell phone and record like a whole, a whole video. I think there's a few guys that have done it out there, but just instead of lugging around all that big camera gear, just use your cell phone and go for it. Yeah. And I mean, I think it all just comes down to what's your end goal. If you're, if you're just looking to make something halfway decent and, and entertaining to put on YouTube, then, then that's fine. And um, actually we're, we're doing that film festival this year at Western Hunter. And that's kind of, uh, I, I put together a review article on that GoPro just to maybe help people feel like it's something that, that they can pick up and do with, uh, minimal funds and, and investment into making a video just because from that Nevada one, I was, I was shocked at how well it came out. Yeah, it, it is a good video. It is super entertaining to watch it. And that, that's what's important to me. I get so tired of watching the same thing. And yours was, it's a, just a different kind of show, which, which kept me entertained. Um, no, what do you got? Thank you. Yeah, for sure. What do you have planned for 2021? What do you got planned for this year? Hunting wise? Oh, uh, so a bit of it's still up in the air, but I'm going to go up to Alaska coming up in May and do a bear hunt. And we're going to, we're going to film that. We're actually going to make a wilderness athlete film on that hunt. 
-huh. And then, uh, oh, let's see, after that, nothing until July, I'll go back to California and do a, a blacktail hunt there. And then in August, back up to Alaska and go on uh, round two of that sheep hunt that we did last year. And then in September, uh, I'll hunt in Idaho for um, deer and elk. And then October, down to Colorado for uh, to guide an elk hunt. And then in November, uh, down to Arizona for a rifles coos hunt uh -huh. and see if I can draw any tags to fill in in between. Dang. If there, do you have any space to fill? <laughs> I don't know. Put, yeah. I don't know if you do, but that, that's, that's uh, awesome. If, yeah, if you, you ask got... my wife, it would be a no. Yeah. Right. That's right. Mine's already frustrated with the, what, what I kind of started leaking to her, the different hunts that I had planned this year. It was, she was already like, oh, okay. I see how this year's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> You're never going to be when, home. Yeah. When the, when the schedule gets like that, you got to be real careful putting in for the draws too. Cause next thing you know, there's overlapping and oof, it's tough. Yeah. But actually, it's a great problem to have, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I mean, when you got to sit down and sort it out, like which one do you really want? I, I could see that. I, I did a podcast with a guy last night, Kevin Passmore from the mountain project. And he talked about that. He had a, a really nice elk tag and a good, really good pronghorn tag. And they actually overlapped with each other. And he had to mm. weigh that out and figure out what he, what he wanted to do. He actually was ended up being successful on both, but it was it was pretty cool to hear that struggle, right? The, the struggle is real. We got an elk tag and a pronghorn. So yeah, poor guy. Yeah, right. I, was, I felt terrible for him. <laughs> the, uh, so are you got you said you're going to film some of that stuff. You're going to film that that Alaska bear hunt. Yeah, uh, we've got. I'm not filming it though. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do a lot of photo taking. I'm gonna decide when we're there, if I, if I feel like shooting a bear, the bears, they just, they don't get me that excited, but going to Alaska and going on a hunt like that does. And I want to shoot a bunch of photos and, uh, you know, stuff, stuff for the website and the magazine and, and products and things like that, and just go and have fun. So a friend of ours, uh, uh, the Nomad Collective, they're extremely talented with high-end cameras and drones and all kinds of stuff. And, so he's going to film and he's actually uh, going to try to shoot a bear as well. And then uh, our buddy Kevin is going to be there and he's going to have a bear tag. We're going to be with a couple residents who will have tags. So um, just, yeah, basically going along to have fun on that. Yeah. That'll be cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. And then, yeah. so you go, you said you're going back for coos deer in Arizona for a rifle. Will you go back for the archery again in January? Yeah. So since I've filled a tag in 2021, same thing, I won't be able to hunt in November, but, uh, two of the guys who were on that hunt, Ben and Kevin, they're going to put in and they've got really high odds to draw the rifle tag that they want. Yeah. So same thing, go down there, shoot photos. I'll probably video that one myself since I won't have a tag and see if we can make a little film out of that. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. That I, I, I'm in the same boat. I shot that mule deer this year, so I can't do that. I really wanted to do the rifle hunt, but 
I don't know. I, I ended up shooting that mule deer, but and then lost the dang thing. So I don't even. I filled the tag when I didn't bring anything home. But oh man, yeah, we lost it to coyotes. We we had backed out to let it die that night, and we came back the next morning, and it was all chewed up and gone. So uh, yeah, it happens though. I guess that's it part happens. Of it. Part of it. But yeah. uh, next year, January. That's become. It's kind of fun because that hunt has become like a it's fun to camp down there and we just really really enjoy that hunt and there's a group of us that all we've gotten together for the last three years down there and uh, oh and the weather's great oh yeah it was like 70 degrees when i was there last year did you have any action with the legals um no but we hunt on a there's a military base down in that area and we hunt just on the fringes of that and then on the military base um I've, I used to live in that area before, you know, as, as a military guy, I, I, I was stationed there for a few years and there was, there was activity, but we didn't really see a lot of it this year. I do know some guys yeah. that ran into trouble. Brady Miller from the, uh, from go hunt. He had some issues with yeah. illegals. Yeah. They did. a Yeah. We, we had a bust right in our camp one night. Really? Yeah. We got back to our camp and uh it was probably the fourth or fifth night and you know same old routine pull into camp take the boots off put crocs on make a cup of coffee get dinner started and we noticed there was a truck running right out at the end of the little cut that went into our camp and we were kind of at the at the um, mouth of this draw that goes up and it's all brushy and the truck was sitting there for about 20 minutes in the dark with headlights on and we're like, you know, we started to get a little concerned about what the hell is this guy doing here? So we stuffed our pistols in the back of our pants and took a walk over there. And it was a border patrol agent with a horse trailer. And he he saw us coming and he hopped out of his truck and got real nervous, too. And uh, we kind of slowly approached each other with headlamps on. And um, he, he realized we were hunters. We realized who he was. And, and so he told us, he's like, have you guys heard anything behind your tent? I'm like, no, what's going on? He said, we got a drone flying and there's nine illegals, uh, hiding in the bushes right up behind your tents. <laughs> like, Oh, no way. <laughs> so we're like, ah, well, what do we do? He said, uh, I don't know. I'm waiting for my backup to get here and we're going to go round them up with our horses. So we're like, okay. And he, he went with us into our camp, um, asked if anything was missing. Nothing was, he was, you know, the guy was, he was definitely really good at what he does. Cause he had us all, uh, show him the bottom of our boots. He memorized our boot tracks and then went through our camp with his flashlight down low to the ground to kind of, um, you know, cause, uh, shadows and all the uh -huh. boot tracks. And he did a sweep of our camp and said, okay, I don't see any other boot tracks, but yours. So they must not have come through here yet. And, um, anyway, the, his backup came, they were, they went right through our camp with their horses, ran around the brush for about 10 minutes. We heard a bunch of Spanish yelling and stuff. And then, um, they led us, they, they rounded them up and led a string of them right back out through our camp. Get out and, of here. <laughs> uh, yeah. And they, they got, they got eight of the nine. And so they, they called us over and they had, they had them all, um, lined up on, on the berm next to their truck, filling out paperwork, but they still wanted to go find the one more guy. And they called us over there and they're like, 
can you guys uh, keep an eye on them while we go look for this one more? <laughs> so, <laughs> and by now we, uh, you know, drank a few Trulies. So we were kind of buzzed and uh, we're like, uh, okay, um, what do we do? They're like, well, if one takes off running, just uh, try and grab them or something. Yeah. So it, it, they, they went back up on their horses, couldn't find the other guy. And, and Kevin and I are just standing there with uh, these guys that they rounded up. And, um, you know, what's, what's, what's interesting about that was I just felt like, you know, you, you think about the illegals crossing and all this stuff and, and how, uh, you know, they, they're doing something bad and they seem like they could easily be bad people. But I mean, these guys were like, our age, normal guys, and it just didn't even feel dangerous or anything. They were just really dehydrated and tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I lived out there, that was typically kind of how it was. Like the, the majority of them are coming over to come over and work or do whatever, you know, but there's that group that come over with backpacks on and those guys are different, you know, they have yeah. a different demeanor to them and there's a different, um, in state in goal right they're, they're there for a purpose yeah i don't i don't think they would have left us alone with them if they were uh smugglers or anything yeah, like that i don't think so you know that, that is a fantastic story but i need to go back and highlight something you said truly's oh that, yeah i know is that when really I, when I said a camp, that's a camp beverage when i said truly i was like oh man i should have said like Coors original yeah straight up whiskey <laughs> just kidding we were drinking straight up whiskey yeah oh that yeah no we were uh we were chasing with truly's and that oh, just happened okay. to be That's what was in our hands when we got called over there yeah okay that all makes sense now no that had to be i'm sure the rest of the trip you guys were looking at uh, looking over camp and looking around and you got to be suspects at that point yeah and and it was it was kind of cool because after um they had a a a van come up there and, and haul them away. And, and the main, the main border patrol guy was left up there and, and he obviously had some time to kill. So he hung with us in camp for a while and told a bunch of stories and it was, it was really entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I bet I'm, those guys have tons of good stories. They, uh, not only that, but he gave us some incredible Intel on I, cause they've got trail cameras out there and stuff. So oh, yeah. not only, and drones and, and they're out there all the time and, and they hunt too. And so, um, yeah, they, they see a lot of, uh, a lot of where the nice bucks live too. So we yeah. got some, some pointers on that. I did that a few years ago. My first year that I was hunting out there, the couple of weeks before the hunt, I was, I was out there for some other stuff and doing some scouting. And every time I would see a border patrol agent out there, I'd go up and approach him and talk to him. And cause at nighttime, they also run thermals out there. Yeah, they'll have, they'll have big trucks with thermal. I don't know. I probably shouldn't be saying that. I guess I don't think any any illegals are listening to my podcast. But they <laughs> <laughs> they but the, they do. They set up those thermal trucks and they'll just sit out there and look. And I I think it would be very very hard for me to be a border patrol agent because I think I would be scouting for deer constantly instead of looking for illegals. Mm -hmm. Same same yep. here. I'd be at a bad spot. I think. Hey, you know, there was like 30 illegals that just came across. Yeah, but did you see that buck? <laughs> that yeah, buck is beautiful. Yeah. That's what I kind of wonder is when they when they see a nice buck in thermals at night, their antlers probably don't get lit up. Yeah. Yeah. Just a bunch of does. A bunch of does over yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, yeah, that that was fun. That's an incredible story, man. It, unfortunately, people are those stories are becoming more and more common that people run into some sort of issue when they hunt that southern right. Arizona. And hopefully, it, it adds doesn't. to the adventure. It certainly does, and hopefully, it doesn't start distracting people from from going out there and hunting because it is a wonderful hunt. It's so much fun to go out there and hunt that. Let's talk about your Food Network debut. Oh yeah, man! I've I've kind of kind of fallen off the wagon. We're we're having a, a new house built right now with a really nice kitchen, and I just can't wait to get in there and destroy it on video. Yeah. So you certainly have some <laughs> of the best. You don't have a Food Network debut. That's that was a joke, but you have some of the best food network or food cooking shows that are out there. They crack me up every time. I even got my wife watching them. So really. Yep, yeah, I'll show her. I'll be a, like, hey, this guy's got another video. You got to watch this. And she always gets all cracked up whenever she watches them. So there's quite a few people who, who message and say that. They're like, hey, just want to let you know, uh, my wife loves your cooking videos. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. How did but you, yeah, what that. inspired, well, tell, I guess, tell all the listeners how, about your cooking videos, I guess, and then what inspired them? Well, what's, what's interesting about that, it kind of goes back to our original topic here where, uh, you know, like a lot of hunting videos are, are overly dramatic and serious. Well, I watch a lot of Food Network and I feel like a lot of that is the exact same way. So I thought to myself, hey, I want to, I enjoy cooking and, and, I, and I do take cooking fairly seriously, um, but for the sake of entertainment, I thought one time, oh, it'd be fun to make a kind of a, a, a cooking video on Instagram stories and just have it not be serious whatsoever. So, and, and I came up with this idea in my head where it was just going to be like one to two second clips of all these different phases to making a meal. Uh-huh. Um, but, but using things like power tools to cut up the food and, and, and making a, as big a mess as I possibly could while uh, in the process of it all. And uh, yeah, I was surprised. People seemed to think it was hilarious. So I started doing more and it was like the, the attention toward it uh, only got better. And, and it was so entertaining for me to see people's reactions to it that I just kept on doing it. Yeah. Yeah, they're funny. They're funny. You need to be putting some. Are do you have them on your YouTube or do you pretty much just put them on Instagram? Uh, I put them on my. They're they're all saved on my Instagram storyline. I actually when uh, are you familiar with TikTok? Uh, yeah, I, I'm familiar. I don't have an account, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah. So when my wife first discovered TikTok, she's like, "Oh, you should go on there and put up your cooking stories." So. I did, and and I I uploaded uh, a number of them because I already had them saved on my phone. It was it was like recycling old material. It was perfect, and I got like thirty five thousand followers in no time. So that, <laughs> that was kind of cool, but yeah, yeah. But no, um, I don't know that the, the number of followers and stuff doesn't really get me off that much. I haven't even opened that app in over a year. Yeah, I've never. I couldn't even tell you what it looked like. I I don't. I don't pay attention to it i I know it's out there because i see other people use it but i don't i don't use it anyway super anyway once our once our new place is is done i'm gonna i'm gonna get back on it because it's got a 
it's got the perfect kitchen set up for that. Good. You built a house around your, your food network or your cooking. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and my, and my deer mounts. There you go. Perfect. Honey, we're going to build the perfect house. You're going to love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There will be one kitchen and one trophy room. Yeah. What about the rest of the house? Nope. That's we're, we don't need anything else. So yeah. that's good. That's good. Well, all right, man. I think we'll start wrapping it up. I, I'm glad you came on, man, because you, you're a super entertaining guy on, on your social media stuff. And I, I just wanted people to be able to watch something different or see something different that wasn't the the drama, you know, or the epic adventures. They're epic regardless of of the background music that gets put on the YouTube video or whatever, I think. Just being outdoors yeah. is epic enough for me. And hopefully yeah. people yeah. take a little different perspective when they when they hit the mountains and and the other thing, it's it's almost it's almost like a, a cheap way of of making yourself stand out by not taking things serious because it's easier and uh, not as many people are are that way. So, yeah, that's just I I just feel like being who I am. Yeah, there you go. Don't change it for anything. So, where does everybody find you if they want to find your Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all of that stuff? Uh, uh, just, I, I went the simple route, just my name at Todd Harney with two D's. Okay. Very good. I will link all that down below. Do you want to share anything else with us before you, before I let you get off here? You got any other, any other parting notes, parting shots? Nothing, nothing on the top of my head, unfortunately. Um, one more time before I let you off here, what was the discount code for the magazine? Oh yeah. Uh, Harney 10, H A R N E Y, the number 10, you might need to use a capital H I'm not sure, but 10% off of a Western Hunter magazine subscription. Awesome. Well, thank you for providing that to us. And I want, I'll use it later sure. today. Cause I, my plan was to order the magazine. And then you said, Hey, I'm going to give you guys a discount code. And I thought, well, I'll just wait. Cool. Uh, thank you. Absolutely. Well, Todd, thanks a lot for coming on. It's a lot of fun and, and I appreciate you, you coming on. Oh, I appreciate you having me. It's fun to talk. <laughs> Talking is fun. All right, man. Yeah. I'll let you get off here. <laughs> All right. See you, Chad. Yeah.